Burger. Burger Bites is recorded on location in Ozark, Missouri and presented on Anchor. The views expressed on Burger Bites are not necessarily those of the staff and ownership of the Grip and Rip Baseball League. Enjoy the show. He's one of the fastest rising stars in the history of the Grip and Rip Baseball League. There's so much more to pitcher Cole Rourke than fastballs and strikeouts. We're about to take a comprehensive look at his career that includes a lot of introspection and some of the lessons from his own experience that Cole tries to impress on the young people he coaches today. We start off in a classroom in Licking, Missouri. It's a town of about 3,000 people where the major employer is a state prison and one out of every four people lives in poverty. That classroom is where Cole Rourke has been trying to make a difference while dealing with the added challenges and the health concerns of the COVID-19 pandemic. I mean, it's changed everything, I guess is the best way to describe that. Uh, When we went to the shutdown phase last year, we had nothing. So we're a pretty poor district. We're low socioeconomic. We're definitely behind on the technology train that had been happening. You know, I don't even have like a smart board. I've got a projector like pull down like it's 1995 still. So we were definitely behind. We were scrambling as a district. Um, So we did the paper packet thing like I think a lot of school districts did last year. And then we kind of had the summer to prepare, which you're not really sure what's going to happen the whole time. Um, I'm part of a leadership group here and volunteered some time to just kind of talk through that and, you know, what's the plan? What's going to work the best? What are we doing? Really late in the game, it was probably mid-July, our district decided we were going to use Microsoft Teams as our platform. I'm a Google person. I had done a ton of my stuff on on Google Drive and part of my shared networks, and now we've got to use this uh, Teams model, which has taken some time to adjust to. So basically, the way that our district runs it, we run a combo classroom. um, So where, you know, some schools have gone a couple days virtual, a couple days in class, Ours is every day we're in class, but you also have virtual kids at the same time. So when the bell rings, uh, all of our virtual kids or kids that are in quarantine, they're supposed to log on to their teams. I have a meeting set up ready to go. Um, I'm supposed to teach them along with teaching the kids in the physical classroom. There's all kinds of stuff that can go wrong in that transmission. Um, Then they have to take it on their end, upload it back, which you know, I was I was the kind of student where I probably wanted to get by with as little work as possible so I can kind of see the pitfalls there and how easy it is to say, well, I don't know. I I sent it. I don't know what happened, Mr. Roark. So we definitely see a lot of that. It's been a mess. I'm tired all the time. I'm not necessarily a technology guru anyway, but I'm only 26, which makes me by far our youngest staff member. Um, so they, they come to me, all the, all the old people, you know, Harvey Antel that I coach with, and then you know him pretty well. Uh, it was a fight to get that guy ready for the school year. Um, but to his credit, I mean, he works at it, but he's the kind of guy where I had to set up the email on his phone when we first started together. So it's, it's been a challenge for everybody, but I'm really proud of what we've accomplished so far. We're almost done with the first semester. Uh, can't commend people in our district enough for sticking in there and grinding it out. Give me the rundown of uh, all the different classes you teach and, and what age groups. I've got one section of seventh grade geography, and then I have one section of eighth grade American history. So we basically do pre-colonial to reconstruction. 
with eighth grade. And then I have four sections of high school American. So we take them from reconstruction on through as far as we can go, basically. Um, and those are usually sophomores in our district that are part of that. So I get every sophomore in the district between those four sections. Now, was, was history and social studies something you always had an interest in, or is that something you found a little later in life? I think it was always the most exciting to me. Um, it made sense. I have always been a big reader, and I think that's just kind of a place where I could go deeper all the time. There was always something more to find out. And I've moved around a lot. Um, I'm sure we can get to that in a little bit when we're talking. But, uh, you know, I'm from out west and then down here. And I've got family that's been down in the boot heel. And there's a really colorful history down there. Um, so I've seen a lot of the United States and always kind of felt a, a pull and an attraction to know, you know, how we got here. Why are things the way that they are? So, yeah, it's always been been my thing for sure. Um, so I knew it was going to be that. My second focus is English. Um, I'm, I'm actually certified in that. I'm making into that. So who knows? But uh, I really like history and I'd like to stay there if I can do it. Say a lot of baseball fans anyway will remember you from Rolla High School and, and playing some of your best baseball against Springfield there in the Ozark Conference. But you were not at Rolla K through 12, correct? Correct. Yes. So I've got kind of a it's a long uh, history of moves. I think the last time I counted it up, um, I think I went to 16 different school districts before I graduated high school. Why all the moving around? Well, um, my dad was a truck driver and my mom kind of picked up work where she could. Um, they never really settled down anywhere for too long. Um, so there were multiple school years where I might attend three different schools in the same year. So we just bounced around a lot. Uh, I was born in Wyoming, Torrington, Wyoming, about the size of Licking, actually, pretty similar size town there. Um, and then we kind of moved all around Wyoming. Uh, we lived in Nebraska for a little bit, um, little pieces of Colorado, and then moved to, moved to Rolla halfway through my freshman year. Came down here. My dad's from Missouri. He's from Winona High School. And so it was kind of close. And the pool really was high school baseball. I think when we finally made the move, you know, I'd shown an aptitude for that. I was on some really good uh, travel teams out west. And uh, Wyoming doesn't have high school baseball. Um, no option for that. So Rollo was pretty enticing. Yeah. How do you think all that moving around affected your development as a ball player and then ultimately uh, your, your college recruiting and, and, you know, what was going to lead you on to that next level? There is kind of a shorter window for even summer baseball out west. Um, you get in those mountain west states and when the snow comes down, it stays on the ground, you know, all year. So we really wouldn't get going until June um, would usually be when we would first start to get to play. Um, I did have the opportunity. I threw hard pretty early on. And, you know, if anything opens doors, even still, um, and maybe even more so now, it's, it's velocity. Um, so I was one of those just rare, I guess, 11 or 12-year-olds that was throwing in the 70s and um, really – pushing it out there. It helped that I was six foot tall in the seventh grade. And if you know very many, you know, six foot tall seventh graders, uh, I was weird looking, like really weird looking, big curly hair and glasses and just goofy, but I could throw a ball a little bit. So I got to jump on with some pretty good squads and travel around, got to play in Texas and California, um, which was really neat because we were poverty level family. We didn't have a lot of money, um, but getting a chance to kind of go out and do some different things um, was really big for me, seeing how big the world is inside of baseball. You know, Tony talked about that a little bit in his series with you. 
Um, it can be really eye-opening. It'd be humbling, uh, which it definitely was. So then when I came to Rolla, you know, I'd been kind of a, a big dog out there uh, in the West and I get to Rolla and my freshman year was Dalton Friends senior year. So, um, you know, pretty great high school player, big lefty throws, you know, threw really hard, ended up at Jeffco and then later a draft pick. And uh, so got to kind of right there within team level stuff we're competing you know i'm seeing this guy be a real dude and i'm this you know weird looking you know lanky freshman trying to figure it out and uh so it was pretty eye-opening just the level of of athleticism my big my number one ticket if i could have picked anywhere to be was oregon state um they were really good 0607 you know, back-to-back champs there. I had, you know, a feeling for that kind of Pacific side of the country, really wanted to go and play in Corvallis. And, you know, once we made the move, I was like, that's that's pretty far to be, you know, even getting seen by those guys. Um, but I knew I wanted to potentially go out of state. That was a that was a look for me. I drew a little bit of interest from Southern Illinois. Um, went and worked out at Creighton. Ed Service is like my number one favorite baseball guy. He's just really neat. So just kind of searching around and eventually landed at SBU, which was pretty close to home, all said and done. So maybe it didn't work out like I planned. I was say Bolivar, Missouri will certainly not get confused with the Pacific Northwest anytime soon. But you had three years at Bolivar and I know kind of grew into a pretty good role there toward the, the later part of your stay, but then you had a transfer. So what can you tell me a little bit about just what were the factors that led to you transferring down to Warner University in Florida? Because, uh, you know, outside looking in, that seems like a pretty big move. Yeah, and it was, and it was uh, not part of my plan at all. I think it was a it was God's plan kind of thing. Uh, really ended up at Bolivar in the first place. I had a girlfriend that was from Licking, uh, where I work now, and she's my wife, so I guess that worked out okay. Um, but she was a year ahead of me in school and had gone there. Her sister um, had attended there ahead of her. I'd never even heard of SBU or the fact that they might have a baseball program. So really didn't think about it long term. You know, I kind of was thinking Missouri State, Mizzou, you know, something big time. And uh, I had gone to a Drury showcase and worked out for Coach Nasby and, and uh, Byron Hagler was there as well at that time. And uh, they had a pretty good offer on the table. I was going to be able to, to do some things there. And through talking with Megan, my wife, girlfriend at the time, her family, her sister was actually dating the SID there at SBU, Sports Information Director. And he kind of passed that along to uh, Chris Martin, who had just taken the interim job at SBU. So he called me up personally and asked me to come work out. And I did. And uh, they had what equated to a full ride with my financial aid. And uh, so I went ahead and jumped. I figured I was good enough to kind of do my thing regardless. Um, got to throw immediately for them. I was a weekend guy uh, as a freshman and sophomore and junior year. Kind of struggled to figure out our rhythm and role and our pitching staff in general kind of struggled. Man, oh man, I'll say this for Cole Rourke. He sure did love the girl. Cole and Megan got married during their years at Southwest Baptist University, and she was there to cheer him on when he won the Grip and Rip Baseball League Pitcher of the Year Award with the Henry's Towing High Rollers in 2019. That's a good time to mention a website you need to know just in case of an emergency. LetHenryDoIt.com Henry's is open 24 hours a day and serves the Springfield metropolitan area. When you've got car trouble, remember to let Henry do it. 
While Cole Rourke was settling into a new life and marriage off the field at Southwest Baptist University, he struggled adjusting to the rigors of college baseball on the field. By his junior year, his ERA reached 7.88 across 69 and two-thirds innings of work. He gave up 100 hits, logged just 14 strikeouts, and issued 55 walks. The Bearcats finished six games below 500 in Cole Rourke's junior season. Cole needed a change of scenery, and he needed to heal. I had a couple little lingering injuries, just kind of overuse type of stuff, and eventually we got to a mission trip my junior year. We went down to the Dominican Republic with some SBU guys, and uh, it just kind of reached a point uh, where I felt like we'd kind of reached the end of our relationship. I didn't feel like I was going anywhere from SBU. Um, I think they had kind of felt the same at that point. So I'd gone on mission and uh, we basically had been hanging out uh, down at the complex there where we would stay and then go out and do mission work. We'd been there three or four days and things kind of changed. We had some conversations and it was time to, to move on. Now this was late. This was uh, late July. You know, that's coming up on the season pretty quick, about two weeks away. Um, and we got back and flew into Miami. We had a nine-hour layover, and I kind of reached out to some contacts I'd made through summer ball and, and other professional relationships and shopped around. And a summer coach that I had in Canada um, had graduated from Warner University, and our pitching coach, when I first got to SBU, had also played there. So I went ahead and got a contact with Jeff Sykes, who's the head coach down there. Uh, we had a phone con conversation. Uh, he reached out to those couple guys that knew me already. And uh, crazily enough, you know, he had a spot open and enough money left over that it was going to be free for me to go. Florida Sunshine sounded pretty good. Um, the conversation with my wife to say, hey, I'd like to, you know, move all the way across the country and we have a week and a half to do that was probably less exciting. But uh, we got it done and you know, she's pretty incredible and trusted me enough to make that move and uh, ended up in Lake Wales, Florida. I kind of forget about that, but you were already married as all of this is going on. So I'm, I'm sure that conversation was very interesting. You know, how much of that whole experience, you know, do you draw from when you're giving advice to young baseball players now? You know, do your experiences factor into, you know, the mentoring you do with young ball players? Uh, definitely. All you have really are your own experiences within the game. You know, what you've witnessed, what you've done as a player, and then you try to grow that base of knowledge from there. With kind of the whirlwind way that my career had gone, even just to that point to go into Warner, um, I realized a few things pretty quickly that I knew I would definitely want to share with kids that I coach in the future was that You've got to look out for yourself. I mean, your your development, what you do as, as a player, as part of a team, all that stuff is is on you. You know, no matter how much you love a coach or a program or a specific way of preparing, uh, you have to take care of yourself first and foremost um, if you want to get anything out of the game. It's, you know, okay if you're the kind of guy that can uh, settle with whatever role is given to you and you never want to expand beyond that. But I was never that way. I think a lot of players that plan on doing something within the game aren't that way. Uh, you want to get as good as you can and uh, push past those limits. So you got to take care of that. And then two, you never know. You just never know what any kind of relationship will do for you in the future. 
Um, you've always got to represent yourself well. You need to speak well. You need to be the kind of guy that you would want to recruit. It's it's important. And so some of those relationships that, you know, at first glance were pretty superficial. I mean, those were contacts that hooked me up with guys a lot deeper in baseball. And, uh, you know, if you have read any kind of baseball literature or follow the game, you know, it's a six degrees of separation for everybody from professional baseball. It seems like down to, you know, high school coaches, little league, you can find somebody that knows someone. Um, so definitely got a taste of that for myself uh, with that transfer move. You finished, you played the one year at Warner and, you know, I didn't see you pitch at Warner myself, but at least looking at your statistics, it looks like you had a pretty good year there and, and showed some signs of improvement from what you had at SBU. So when you finished up there, you know, what kind of options were presenting themselves to you as far as the future goes? I had, well, you know, like any guy, I'd like to address statistics too. Uh, you got to explain it a little bit. I did not know anything about pitching is what I realized when I got to SBU as a freshman. Um, I'd been pretty good with the fastball in the Ozark Conference. Never really had to do anything else. Um, you know, I could walk guys and it was fine. So I hadn't learned any of those lessons I needed just yet. So I was definitely thrown in the fire um, as a starter in the MIAA. Fantastic conference, full of talent. But the other thing that happens is toward the end of that freshman year, um, we'd reached a point with our pitching staff as a whole where we realized we didn't have a lot of guys that were available to give us a chance to win. Um, so we had a meeting late my freshman year, brought five guys together. Three of them were seniors and then me and another freshman. And, hey, here's the situation. You five are going to throw all the innings the rest of the way out. And uh, we did. I would start and then relieve, uh, start again in a midweek, maybe come back and relieve, uh, maybe catch a day off once in a while, but they were few and far between. Uh, we kind of had the same role my sophomore year. I think I started 13 games or so and had, you know, another four or five appearances that usually came within the same weekend. So there was a lot of overuse. And, um, you know, I don't know that I ever felt great after the first couple weekends of a spring. And that wasn't, you know, I had to pitch better too. There's no passing the buck on some of that stuff. Um, but when I got to Warner, right away it was – you know, and I communicated that better. I was older, wiser, whatever. Um, but I told Coach Sykes, hey, I would love it if I got a chance to start once a week, prepare the way that I know I want to prepare, and go out and win ball games for you. And, yeah, I mean, we were able to do that. Great pitching coach down there, Aaron Karras. Fantastic guy to work with. We were able to prepare and, and change things. Um, so that took care of that, and it was a much better year. Uh, I felt like I was doing – what I was supposed to do finally on the baseball field. And it was a pretty liberating feeling. Cole Rourke still had dreams of hearing his name called on Major League Baseball draft day in 2016. We'll talk through what happened to his hopes of professional baseball and a whole lot more in a future episode. Thanks for joining us for Burger Bites on Spotify, Anchor, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, good day from Licking, Missouri. but I did have a contract brought to a pig roast that we celebrated the, the trip with. And that was a pretty neat moment. I was not going to uproot to Cuba 